I could tell you that I had numerous conversations with Dale Cameron. And I, I don't know if it's in his book because it's been a while since I've read it. But Dale tried to point me in the right direction. And I'll tell you what he told me, and then I'm going to go back to my very first rig track. So Dale told me, and this was his belief, and I think it's, I, I do think it's old school, but I believe there was a lot of knowledge there. And as we go through this, I'm going to tell you why I agree with some of what he's saying. So Dale told me that if the dog could not trail a track, then don't put him, don't, don't put him up to rig. And, you know, Dale said they need to learn to trail first. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days? How many days a week can you spend out As much as I can, to be honest with you. Any time that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not. So you might as well be here. <laughs> Folks, this is just going to be some good old-fashioned dog talk. Heath and I get together, and we discuss rig dogs. We've all got them. We've all got the dog boxes with the rig holes and and guys driving around with dogs on top of boxes and all this other stuff. But have you ever really thought about what is really going on and what all is happening for the scent? to come together with your dog's nose and then him give you an indication and I mean all of the mechanics of it well that's something that Heath and I think about a lot and we talk about a lot these different nuances and how our dog's nose works and and the performance of our dogs and I know you do too so this is just a real down-to-earth conversation about rig dogs, what it takes to have one, how you can start a rig dog, is it genetics or is it natural? We're going to peel back all the layers on rig dogs. While I've got you here, if you're looking for a little more content, a little more in-depth stuff, tailgate talks, uh, videos, all that sort of stuff, there's a few different places you can go. But tailgate talks and all the benefits that you get from joining us on Patreon, 
we're practically giving you your money back for the year. You get a Sportsman's Alliance membership. You get a subscription to Full Cry. You're included in all the monthly drawings, semi-annual drawings, annual drawings. It's all there, folks. So check us out on Patreon. The next place is if you checked out our YouTube channel yet. We're dropping all kinds of stuff over there. All of our past episodes are there. So you can search on YouTube just like you do in any other thing. Uh, there's all kinds of videos that Seth's dropping there. We've got some shows, some regular YouTube channel shows that are going to be rolling out real quick. And just everyday hunting stuff. We can't wait to share that with you. Go over to YouTube and search for Houndsman XP Podcast. Subscribe. Give it a like. And start following us today. We got a lot of stuff coming. We can't wait to share it with you. Guys, this is a box shaker. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Bear season is over in Virginia. How'd it go? Well, it was good. Um, the last week, I didn't get to hunt much. I ended up getting sick. And, well, I think it was after you left uh you were down right before new year's yeah uh yeah. yeah so yeah i ended up getting sick and i hunted new year's day and maddie made me feel guilty so <laughs> i got out of the truck and hiked about nine miles and i regretted every bit of that and then for the next three days i was sick and i just i was done so I needed to recoup, so I didn't. I didn't hunt any after New Year's Day, so I was done. What did you end up? How many bears did you guys end up catching? Total, uh, thirty uh, some. Oh, from, from training season. Training season all the way through, from the time oh. training season started until season went out. <coughs> you keep track? Yeah, it's in my book. I've got it wrote down in my my log book. Uh, I know we were a little over 30 during December and August and September. Uh, we were, I would say we're going to be pushing 75 ish. And you got to think like some of those, um, like I went to North Carolina or I went down to the coast and hunted with BB. So there's a couple there and, so there'd have been a little extra, but I, I, I'll say 75 is probably going to be close to accurate, give or take. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it, it is. And, you know, I, I remember, and I always talk about 2007 because that, that was the turning year for us with bear. And I think we caught 50 bear that year. And... I mean, we were just astonished. Like, yeah, that was like unheard of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we we had a good year. A lot of small bear, a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of smaller bear. We did, you know, we put some goals in front of ourselves that we we was going to try to keep everything that we took needed to be over two hundred, two hundred or above, and you know we <clears throat> we did that. Uh, and I think I talked about it maybe with Bry, I can't remember, but, um, everything that we took with my hounds was on the ground, either fighting dogs bait up. Mm -hmm. So I, I really, 
I really like that, that, you know, we, we left everything sitting. Um, so we did out of, out of the, the bear that we did take, we took one out of the tree and, um, Addison, you know, yeah, 13 year old took it. So can't complain about that at all. How many bears total? That we took? Yeah. Six. Yeah. Six out of 70 some. Well, now again, you got to go. We took a couple down on the coast. So, I mean, I don't know if you can't believe it. Right there out of the place where we hunt, you know. Yeah, six. Yeah, six out of that whole area Mm -hmm. taken by the group that hunts there most of the time. Yeah, and I think it's a, I mean, we talked about it last year. We took 10. The year before that, we took 10. Um, and, you know, we're, we're averaging, you know, 30 is a good number. could be 35 or 40, depending on, well, no, last year was a little higher than that because um, we had a really good last week of season last last year. Um, and, you know, some of the some of those bears got to be the same bear. I mean, they mm-hmm. just, they have. Um, so, yeah, we've we've tried and then you know other people hunt in there and other people people take bear you know so it's not it's not just us i mean there's other there's other groups that are in there and but we've we've tried to do we've tried to to manage and if you want those three and four hundred pounders i mean you got to let the hundred pounders grow i mean it's just the way it is <laughs> I mean, uh, you got to man sometimes i i don't even know where i was seeing it but it i saw the same thing about um mountain lions you know it's like if you want to shoot a big tom don't shoot a little tom it's pretty mm-hmm. pretty simple or don't shoot the females you know mm-hmm. do you guys i i always have a blast when i come down and hunt and um run them run them with that good group of guys and and all that stuff and getting to know the mountain a little bit better now it's kind of nice to be there for more than just following somebody around you know what i mean mm-hmm. kind of tell yeah. me which way to go and send me in the wrong direction so you can go out and go to the hot spot and make yourself look like <laughs> a hero <laughs> nah <laughs> uh no but while i was out driving especially i think it was that last week you know it was rough it was snow and ice and bears were were basically had to i mean you had to just about kick them out of the kick them out of the brush pile to, to get one rolling they just weren't weren't moving good and uh i got thinking about rigging a lot and mm-hmm. rigging's one of those things that i think everybody especially today back back i think probably 40 or 50 years ago it was kind of unheard of to rig bear because we didn't have the bear numbers for one thing and you hear the old timers talk. It was unusual to to rig a bear from the road, and now it's kind of turned into this um, kind of a textbook way to to bear hunt. You know, you drive around until you get a rig, and you drop your dogs, and it's fun. It's it's a, it's romantic, and and it tell it makes for a good story. Getting that epic, you know, box shaker rig strike and and uh, catching a bear. But I got thinking about you know what it takes to make a rig dog and all the things that the characteristics or is it selection is it breeding is it training you know how do you trash break dogs from from the rig and so you're not turning loose on a bunch of junk and uh, not 
I mean, that's the worst thing is you get a rig strike and you drop your drop your tailgate and you just turn loose on a coyote or a freaking deer race. Mm-hmm. So I just thought we'd have I'd like to have a discussion on your thoughts on on training rig dogs and just kind of have that discussion of of how you do it and give some people some pointers out there on on rig dogs. Yeah, I know when you asked me about this, like my mind was going a m my hundred miles a minute. And then it kind of on the way home, I was like, you know, I've I've been very um blessed with some of the dogs that I've had. And to say that I've trained a rig dog, I don't know. I can tell you my experiences. I can tell you what's happened with my dogs. Um I do know some ins and outs that uh some people disagree with, but through practice practical application you know most time you can prove them wrong and there's always an anomaly there's always a, an outlier uh when it comes to to dogs so you know you take those out of the equation um <clears throat> so i knew nothing about rigging like you said back you know back in the late 90s and even in the early 2000s we i didn't i didn't i didn't have a rig dog i i had a i had a coon box that i hauled my dogs in and um, mm-hmm. you know that's that's how we hunted we we drove to where we were going we got out and we walked and i mean i can tell you my very first track that i ever rigged and i think it's i, I do think it's old school but i believe there was a lot of knowledge there and as we go through this i'm going to tell you why i agree with some of what he's saying so Dale told me that if the dog could not trail a track, then don't put him don't don't put him up to rig. And you know Dale said they need to learn to trail first. So he explained to me his process, and I remember doing this at my dad. So my dad bought his the place that he lives right now in two thousand three, and the house was not built and finished until late two thousand four. So. We're going to say 2005 and above. That's kind of the time frame. So I just want mm-hmm. to put it, put that in his head. And that's about the same. That's about the time that I got Belle, which I got Belle, you know, she's Cameron female. And anyway, Dale told me to, you know, to trap a coon. And if the, if the dog can run and tree a coon on the ground on its own, then you start the rigging process. Or this is how he did it. And he would trap a coon and he would set the coon on the ground um upwind yeah from the dog and he would drive past it and he said a lot of times you have to watch the dog and we all know i'm telling you guys i'm telling you stuff that you already know but i'm just telling i want to tell this from my like how my learning experience went um you know you first you need to watch the dog's behavior and if the dog shows behavior where he gets a little bit excited he may not bark Mm -hmm. um and you put the dog down, he goes find the coon, and so on and so forth. If the dog don't hit it when it's on the ground, you hang it up in a tree where it's almost eye level, so so that scent is traveling straight to the dog. And right. we can get in that. We can go down that rabbit hole too with scent because we know that scent may not um, actually work that way. Um, so I did that. That was my first experience, um, and I never followed through with it. I did it a couple times. I had mediocre results at best and then i just stopped so but now bell would 
she'd she'd run she you know she'd run and treat her own game before I ever started doing this. So in two thousand, <clears throat> I'm gonna say it was two thousand seven, in in the early then the September season. I was finished hunting one day. It was me and Chris Irvin and Bill Scott, and those two guys were with me, and we would we were finished hunting, and it was warm that day. So I put ring and bell up on top of my box, the box mm-hmm. that I have now. And I had tied ring on because I didn't trust him. I, I figured he'd just jump off the truck. Bell, I did not tie on because I used to road hunt her and rig hunt her. I'd, I'd drive down the road with her on the rig, stop the truck. And you know me, I always leave my tailgate down. Yeah. And I tell her to get that tailgate's not mashed up. well it's just a habit i know like i know but i would run bell and clyde and i'd tell them to get up on the truck and they get up on the truck i'd let the cars pass or whatever and i tell them get down and they go get back down on the road and we go on road hunting so i knew bell wasn't going to just jump off the truck so we were driving out this road um to another a, a whole completely different place that i used to hunt and this is 11 o'clock in the day. <clears throat> and we go around this curve. And my, that you talk about the box shaker. Mm-hmm. I had one. That was my first experience. And I was in, like, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, I'm looking at Bill and Chris is like, I wonder what that's about. Well, Bill, <laughs> Bill dives off the side of the truck over the side of the mount, like, you know, on the north of the, one of the mountains. Over the side of the mountain, she goes, and Ring is just like raising cane. And this is my first experience, so I, I'm not even sure what's going on. Bell's gone, so I let her go, and she's you know she's running. So we go out the mountain, and we hit, we find, we get out to a power line, and Bell had already crossed it and was headed towards the interstate. So that scared us. So we went down and made sure she wasn't going on the interstate. Well, she turned and she come back in that power line. Well, we were sitting in it watching, and that bear come across the power line. Bell was a minute and 20 seconds behind it. Now, she's on the north. It's steep. Mm-hmm. like, And, and, and she, she's not um, – she was never a speed demon. Um, that bear come through the tower line. I grabbed Ring and Smokey off, out of, off the truck. I dumped them down over that power line. They run around the hill there tree the bear bell comes in right behind him they tree it that was my first experience and i can also tell you we got eat up with bees at that tree too so <laughs> it was like a, it was a whole it was a whole day but yeah, yeah so that was my first experience. I, I didn't know like i had no idea and i'm like oh okay so the dogs will do it and right. i just started putting ring and bell up and they taught me You know, we talk about this all the time, how the dogs teach us. Um, They taught me how to rig. Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, all of you guys at Bear Hunt, you all know this. You know, you learn where bears cross. You learn, you know, their paths and their patterns and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, But they they taught me how to rig. So I put them up. They open. And I turn them down. And they go on. And then after, you know, as soon as you get one dog that does it, it's easier to train the second, the third, and the fourth. Right, right. So that was my first experience with rigging. And I will tell you that ring 
by far out of the dogs that I've had and, and what rings where ring excelled. And, um, I was thinking about, I think you had already left. Yeah. You had left on Friday and I think it was Saturday. I remember riding around the mountain with, um, <laughs> Scott mustard and ring open one time on the truck. Just a, just a, just a low whoa, ball. That was it. So we rode on around the mountain, got way around the mountain and there was another group in there hunting. So we turned around and come back. Now this is like an hour later. We come back, get to the same area, and ring opens one time. And Scott's like, well, turn him down. See what he'll do. So I let him off the truck. He goes three, 400 yards, and he starts trailing. And he trails up the a spine, backbone of this ridge, comes over into a little flat, down in a holler, and hits the spine of another ridge. And when he gets up that spine, he ends up jumping that bear. And I, we pack some dogs to him. And anyway, they treat it. Um. So where, and this is the difference I'm seeing. I know we got a lot of stuff we can talk about. This is a difference I'm seeing. Ring was a dog that would go rig and find a track and trail it to mm-hmm. jump it. Yeah. The dogs that I have now, and I'll just be completely transparent. The dogs that I have now are not trailing off the truck. If they rig a track, now they'll rig track and go three, 400 yards. No questions asked but they're going and either jumping it out of its bed or they're getting right after it. Right. It's a different, it's a lot, it's a big difference. And, you know, Wesley and I had this conversation this year about ring because Wesley got to hunt with him that, you know, it, it it amazes me that the dogs and we talk about, it, it amazes me that the dogs can do that. And then yet at the same time, they're reluctant to take an older track. Um, and trail. So I know that's a different topic, but the Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. The thing that amazes me and the thing that gets me thinking, there are a lot of things, but... You know, when you're training police dogs, you're training for that condition response. You're trying to invoke a response out of them to show you that there's a substance there that you need to to look for. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we train. We train with the police dogs. You've trained a lot into, you know, you've seen what works and what doesn't work on that side. And that's where my mind was going with this whole thing. <clears throat> when I started thinking about it, you know, and then, and then you bring it, you brought up so many good points there when you're talking, it's like, you get that response, you get the, you get the, the rig strike, and then you put a dog down 
and it just seems like they can't do anything with it. And, mm -hmm. and it always takes me back to what I know about scent and how far scent can travel. And like, mm -hmm. I, I saw this <clears throat> when we were at Idaho, I was hunting with Larry. We we're coming around the face of a mountain and it was coming, coming out on the point and going back up in the, it was just a switchback is a cutback road around the face of a mountain off of the end of every ridge and back in the canyon. Yeah. And we come out on the end and I get a rig strike and we go back in and I lose it. And we come back. We did this finally on the third one. He's, he struck again. <clears throat> and Larry said, well, there's no way he was rigging that back there. And I said, well, let's put him down and we'll find out. And we dropped, dropped mine and a couple of his and they went in there and they caught the bear. So I didn't at the time, but I should, I should have looked to see how far away that was when we first got that rig strike, because the first time it was like you said, it was just whoop. Mm -hmm. Then we go through the first Canyon and come back out same level. I mean, we're just, it's like, if you took a, just took a blade and cut a road around the face of it, that's what we were hunting, you know? And we get to the, get to the second one is a little more enthusiastic. The third time. It's like, yeah, we're going to try it now, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just amazing how far in the right conditions scent can actually travel on the, on the thermals and the, and the mm -hmm. air currents and things like that. And then, and then to think that that dog can smell it from some of the things. So, I mean, do we try to start tracks sometimes that. that scent may be coming from across like it may be coming across wolf mountain when you're on the other side or something, you know, across the no business or something mm -hmm. traveling that far, you check the wind and the wind's coming to you and the dogs know it's there, but they just, there's no way that they're going to go a mile to, to go find it, you know, yeah. just, I mean, <clears throat> what's happening there? What's, what's the disconnect? They can, I think they smell it there, but when they get down on the ground and just lowering that much distance and then being able to put all that together. Okay. I smell the bear, but it's at somewhere out here. And for the, for them to go from the point, they smell it across the Valley and get on the other side of the mountain. I mean, that that's amazing if they can do that. I haven't experienced that kind of success with my rig, rig dogs. Most for the most part. Yeah, that and that's like I said, that's where Ring. I had Ring in another example, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry, guys, talk about Ring, but he he was kind of like my staple, and he, like I said, he taught me. Stick. Yeah, um, I, we were on another mountain with the same group of guys, and they had a really really nice dog, um, really nice dog, and we went up the mountain, kind of like what you were talking. We were kind of going in and out of some ho some hollows. We were up top and ring open one time and their dog didn't and i i think that they was thought ring was wrong um anyway they was like well turn him down so i turned him down that sucker went plumb off to the base of the mountain and of course this is when we had beep beep collars so i'm gonna say a good five six hundred could have been 700 yards like he went all the way down to the base and boom fell treed so he jumped the bear right out of his bed and we went down there sure enough he had he had a, a small bear treed um <clears throat> but what you're saying and we talk about this in our group a lot and I, I know we've talked about it on 
different podcast. I like to break things, you know, problem solving. Like, Me how too. do I? I've got to figure it out before I can <laughs> fix it. So, process of elimination. Because um, we have dogs, you've been with us. We got dogs in our group that will strike. You turn them down, they run around the truck, and then they get back up on the truck like, I'm not going. Yeah. So, again, my f- very first thing is trash. Are mm-hmm. they trash? And then people's like, well, you know, and I get this, like, I'm going to throw Forrest under the bus. Like, Forrest will ride by deer, dogs won't say a word. Won't do it. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me say it, and I tell them, turn them off the truck. Give them, they're in a, they are in an environment that is controlled because mm-hmm. they got most dogs are tied on the truck. So it's just like you, let's put this into better terms. It's just like you having a fenced-in yard. If you got a fenced-in yard and you turn that dog loose, that dog knows he can't get away from you. So when you call him, he's going to come back because he's got parameters. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the principle. The principle is the same. When you turn that dog off of that truck and there's no lead on him or confinements, see if he will go run that off game. <clears throat> and I'm not saying all of them do. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's my first thing. That's my first step is are my dogs running deer? Now, coyotes mm-hmm. a different, different world. We, you know, it, it is what it is. Hey, coyotes uh, a good race. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> even though they do. And I mean, that's, you know, it's hard to break them from that here. Um, but you, you know, make sure your dog's not running deer or starting deer on their own. And again, let's go back and have a, a, a conversation. It's just like taking a shower guys. You got to take a shower every day. So you don't stink. You got a three-year-old dog, a four-year-old dog. You should be making sure that that dog's not doing it just mm-hmm. because you broke him at two years old don't mean that some point in time in the next two years that he didn't get off with, with Billy Bob's dogs over here and have a little deer race. And you didn't know. And you, and you was like, Oh no, they're not running trash. Cause they ended up on a bear, but they did the old switcheroo on you. Yeah. So you always have to be checking that stuff. You know, you've got to check and make sure that your dogs aren't doing that. So, and deer's an easy thing. Everybody in this country can get their dogs on deer and break them off deer. Okay. So that's my first step is, okay. They're not, I know they're not opening on deer. And of course, if you guys, again, we we can get into a whole bunch of stuff here. If your guys are running bobcats separately with your bear dogs, okay. They could be opening on cats. You know, you got all that stuff that you have to go through. Um, I'm just kind of giving you a generalization. I know my dogs aren't running deer. So when they open on the truck, I've got a, I've got a fairly good chance that they're, they're opening on a bear. Um, like I said, my dogs will hit a coat. I think I run one three times this year that I know about. Um, All right. So breaking it down, your first step is to trash. make sure your dogs are trash broke before you start trying to turn them off of rig strikes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And like I said, the simple thing is if you, if you go, if you start with deer, like I said, unless you just got an abundance of coyotes, you know, coyotes move and float, you know, Unless you just got abundance of coyotes, your your process of elimination, you know, that's a good start. All right. So the second thing is, and I've noticed this more, and and it's funny you say this because I've really tried to pick my dog. I picked my dogs apart this year over some things. Um, If you're not 
hunting your dogs. And I know that a lot of people don't like to coon hunt them and then bear hunt them. I used to start my dogs on coons and switch them over to bear at about a year old. I don't do that at all anymore, hardly. But I will say that I did notice that when I did that, my dogs had no problem going hunting. Yeah. So when I when I turned them off the truck and that that track was 400 yards in there, they go 400 yards and get it. Right. We have to look at the next thing I'm going to look at is, all right, are your dogs smelling a bear? Okay, yes, they're, they're broke off deer. I feel very confident about that. Now, do they just not do they just not want to go find the track? And if that's the case, then I need then I'm gonna break it down to the age of the track. Okay. So was that something that, you know, a lot of dogs will open. Um, in fact, I had a guy tell me last week we had a conversation and he said his dog was very tight on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you know mine like mine is too. Spook's tight. Yeah. Kate's tight. But he said, my dog is tied on the ground and he drifts the track. And he said, he's one of the best rig dogs I have. And I'm like, what? And he was like, man, that sucker will open on a truck in a, in a, in a minute. So none of that stuff, you know, you got to kind of figure out what kind of dog you have. So my dogs are the same way. My dogs are open on a truck and they're tight, tight on the ground. So I know that this is a fact because I've got them. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so if they won't go hunting. If they don't go hunting, then you've got to fix that problem. Make your, your dog's got to be able to go, you know, two or 300 yards. And I don't expect like Spook and Kate will go. I mean, Kate will go, she'll go half a mile, which I don't like because she also does that when she's on the ground. Spook, Spook will go about 500 yards. That's kind of his realm. Maggie, my black jip, Maggie She'll go about 200. She'll make a 200 yard around circle around the truck and that's it. Like mm-hmm. that's her, that's her window. Um, so anyway, well, your dog, I'll go. I want to throw something in real quick. You know, I yep. carry one of those, uh, wind checkers, one of those little puff bottles yep. from, mm-hmm. all right. Before we get too carried away on dogs going hunting, you should know which way the wind's blowing because a dog's not rigging a bear that's downwind of it so if you got dogs that that you get that rig strike and you put them down and all of a sudden they're busting busting downwind from you more than likely unless you just got a dog that's tight mouth like spook or something like that just know which way the wind's blowing so that you can understand where that scent is coming from that they're rigging yeah and and an easy way to do this if you don't have the uh the puffer, or I've got, um, a sear, I've got a little serious thing that I use for canine training and I carry it with me too. Um, just watch your dogs. Your dogs is going to turn into the wind mm-hmm. and your dogs. Um, if you've watched any of the videos I posted or the, the little clips of my dogs rigging, like you will see the dogs literally will turn and they, they turn and, and use that wind to their advantage. That's mm-hmm. a natural. Instinct. So just, just look at your dog, just watch your dogs and they'll tell you which direction. Um, but yeah, hunting, hunting is a, is a, a, a a thing that I'm going to, that I'm going to look into like, okay, if when I go and free cast my dogs, does my dogs hunt right with me within sight? Cause that's going to give you some knowledge when you're rigging. If my dogs stay like right in my sight, they're probably not going to go 
400 yards and find it. Yeah. If your ventures out a little bit uh, and, and go, you know, they go two, three, 400 yards or whatever, and they kind of stay in that little bubble, then you know that you've got a two, three, 400 yard range for your dogs. Right. Uh, and Brandon Mitchell talked about this on the podcast I did with him is not giving your dog enough time. He was putting his dog down. The dog was going for two or three minutes. It wasn't opening and he was toning the dog to get back to him. Right. So, you know, be patient. Like that's, that's another thing. Like be paid, let the dogs work. If they're not trashy, then why are we in a hurry? Like, yeah. why do I get that dog back with me? You know, Cleve, um, Cleve Dwyer made that point too. And some of the, the lion hunting stuff we've done is when in doubt, let them trail, you know, let mm -hmm. them look, let them. And Chad's even mentioned it, you know, a lot of times when I've got pups that I'm breaking just to, cause if you're, if you're coon hunting, you don't want, I'm not walking a coon dog, you know, that coon right. dog needs to go hunting and find a coon. And I've always kind of tried to carry that into bear hunting as well. They need to go hunting. And if they're, if they're going, even if I'm free casting, go hunting. Um, you know, obviously I don't want them straight lining over, you know, I don't want to be turning them loose at the, at the watershed and picking them up at the bottom, you know, uh, mm -hmm. without, without doing anything, just straight lining down through there. But, but, um, when you're, when you're starting those pups, just sit down, just sit down and let them learn that on their own to go hunt. And I'll do it. I'll do that. A lot of times, if I get that rig strike like that, drop the, drop those dogs off the truck and then just sit there, you know, just sit on the tailgate and, and let them work it out and keep an eye on them and, and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you got to be patient. So that, and that's something that a lot of people don't do. And, you know, there, there's enough, the population, and, and I can't speak for everybody, our location, um, areas that we hunt, like, the bear population is good enough. If, if, if I really wanted to, like my dogs, I give them five minutes to get back to the truck. I just go on and find another bear. And I think that's what a lot of people think for yeah. me. I won't. And, and I was very discouraged this year on the trailing aspect of my dogs. But like, for me, I want my dogs to take the track that's available. Mm -hmm. Like if they rig a track, and I want them to go find it and go get it. Uh, I don't want to have to load you back up and take you down the road. Now it, it does happen. I'm not saying that it's, you know, foolproof because it, it happens, but it's few and far between. But again, my dogs are rigging tracks that are rigging bear that are, they're up on the ridge and already moving or bedded or bedded down up, you know, where they can smell them and go jump them. I, I mean, I just say that they're not, my dogs are not trailing off the rig. And I'm hearing more and more people say that. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I feel like that's more common maybe than not. And again, I think it's due to the bear population. I'm not saying that the dogs can't do it or anything like that. And again, we'll go back to that, you know, anomaly where you've got that one superstar dog that can can do those things that the other dogs are not doing. And Well, isn't that the point know, I, of... Isn't that the point of having a rig dog though, is, is finding that bear that's down in the brush that may not have walked right across the road. I think a lot of times people, I know I always did. I always thought, 
you know, if you're getting rig strike, then you ought to be able to find a track right here. And, and that's not always the case. The purpose of having that rig dog is to find that bear that's down over the mountain. If the thermals are moving up or up on the mountain, if they're moving down and, and have the dog that can say, Hey, there's a bear up here. You're never going to see a track riding on this road. Yeah. Well, and you talk about thermals and maybe we should just kind of hit on that real quick. So everybody understands, because there may be people in here that don't know what a thermal <laughs> is. Do you want to do that? Well, yeah, therm thermals are just a normal uh, air currents, either from the warming or the cooling of the air on the landscape. So it's a lot easier to determine thermals in hilly or mountainous regions than mm -hmm. it is in flat ground because there's more subtle. You know, uh, if you're in a flat bottom, or, you know, someplace like Northern Indiana, you're not going to see a lot of thermal changes, but when you're in the mountains in the mornings, the, as the air warms up, the thermals move up the mountain. And in the mm -hmm. evenings, as the air cools down, the cold air sinks. So heat rises, cold air sinks. And I, I know that in the past I've made the mistake of not allowing enough time in the mornings for the thermals to actually start rising, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're riding the top of the ridge because you're thinking, Oh, it's morning. I ought to be on top of the ridge because thermals are going to rise in the morning. Well, they may not rise until 10 30 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And then they right. might be, they might be settling back down at two o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, I'm riding on top of the ridge wondering why I'm not getting a rig strike when I should have been on the bottom the whole time, you know? So mm -hmm. there's still even understanding what, and it's not the same as wind currents and things like that. Thermals are, are just air that moves up and down due to the, the ambient temperatures. Yep. No, that's right. And any, you know, you talk about, we you hit on it earlier, you know, how far does scent travel? Um, and guys, I can, I, I'll kind of equate this into my tactic, my tracking, my, my man tracking. Well, I think, I, know a, I think that's a really good place to start with it because it's controlled and we have seen it, you know, with our own eyes. Yeah, I have. And, you know, we're not, we're not tracking in mountain. I mean, when I say mountainous conditions, I mean like straight up and down, we're not doing that. Like it's not what we're the purpose, but I have seen our dogs like, and I, I you know, all of our dogs, like, and I will tell you this from my experience. And if the wind is in your face, so let's say the dog's using that air current to his face. Our dogs have have showed proximity alerts up to 400 yards where mm -hmm. I can physically see the dog give me a body change, show me a behavioral change, and I can say, dog's in odor. And what happens with those, those behaviors is the dog will throw those head pops, bam, bam. But then the dog will go right back to the trail, trail mode. And usually, and this is typical, um, like I said, we, we can add anomalies and stuff in there if we want to. <clears throat> but when our dogs get in body odor, which means they're picking up odor right off the body, uh, not the air current. Okay. That's two different things. Our dogs, we call it target lock. Most of the time when our dogs target lock, they're from a hundred yards in, mm -hmm. which means for us tactically we're too close <laughs> like 
I, I, if somebody's armed with a weapon, I want to be as far back as I can and say, yep, um, that, that person is, is about 150 yards this way in this direction. And then I have my team do their stuff and go get them. So what I'm saying is 400 yards, we have seen it very often with the right wind direction. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is mostly in flat or rolling hills. Okay. So you put that up on the mountain and the air pushing down could be half a mile. But we see it commonly 400 yards, dogs, you know, pop, 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 th throwing, throwing those head, throwing those heads. I can see those changes. I know that we're in, we're hitting body odor. And then most of the time we're target locked from 100 yards in. Sometimes we get target lock at 100 and a quarter, very seldom 150 yards, very mm -hmm. seldom. Um, so, you know, that gives you some ideas about, the range of the dog. Um, and again, I feel like the hounds, uh, and I've always said this, like seeing what our hounds can do, I feel like our police dogs could do a lot more. Um, <clears throat> and I've you feel always like said that, that they could do a lot, that your police yeah. dogs could do a lot more. Yeah. The handlers hamper, hamper their, their success. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. being on that list behind the dog and having to read it where, our hounds are loose doing their own thing. All we got to do is keep up with them. Um, so that's, that's common. So a 400 yard strike, and, and this is why I'm telling you this, a 400 yard strike should be, uh, it, it should not be a thing that's super hard. So when you right. go back to you saying, okay, well, I put the dogs down and they run around the truck or they don't want to leave the truck. Again, I've got to start problem solving with, all right, are they trash broke? And again, I'm going to go right back and say, if your dog, if you're driving by deer and the dogs aren't opening on the truck, step one. But when you're driving by deer and you go let your dogs off the truck and they don't want anything to do with them, then you're, then you're at step two, you can move to step three. And we talk about steps. Everything's in baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because I know for a fact that this year, several times, drove right by, I mean, drove right by deer. And I got my young dogs down and turned them down, and I couldn't get on my Garmin fast enough. Yeah. They were getting ready to beeline it. So, <clears throat> and I like to go and clean my dogs up. Uh, I like to check them. Um, and when I say clean them up, that's what we say before we get ready to certify like, all right, let's go. We got our dog street ready. All right, well, let's go clean them up so we can certify. So that right. that's kind of saying, you know, you keep up, you know, just keep tabs on your dog. Um, you get through that, and then the dog don't want to go, and then we got to go into dog tracks. And I know we've hit on this some mm -hmm. uh, because I, I think this is a huge, huge issue with a lot of people, and I don't know that people um, <clears throat> put it in perspective. So what I'm talking about is. Guys, if you're driving and if you're driving around and packing dogs and packing dogs and packing dogs and you're not letting your dogs start tracks, um, and I know that you know a lot of people are, are you know don't have the time to hunt like you and I do, and don't don't get away from the crowd or get away from their their hunting parties just to get their dogs, you know, going. If you're going, if you're driving around and you're packing dogs and packing dogs, there is a good chance that your dogs are opening on dogs. Right. And why is that? Okay. 
we'll break it down and I'll go back to the detection world. And I do this all the time. When I hide, when I hide, um, hides for the, for the detection guys, the first group of dogs, when I say the group, I'm talking about the first three. When the first three dogs come in there, if I, if I've hidden it, you know, fairly well, it takes them a minute or two and they really have to search that area to find that, that hide. But by the time the fourth and the fifth dog come in there, when you, when you bring them into that hunt, that search area, most of the time they're going straight to the source and it's because they're feeding off the other dog odor. Yeah. They're cheaters. Yeah. So I'm going to go, Hey, wait a second. I know through my, and this is called generalization. Dogs learn through generalization. I know that every time there's dog odor, I get a reward. Right. So I'm going right over here to this filing cabinet and I'm going to plop a squat and dad's going to give me my toy and I get to play and we're all yeah. happy. The same thing with, with packing dogs is every time you drive across a dog, you're packing, you're packing, you're packing. After that third, second, third, fourth dog, you're doing more running dogs than you are bear odor. I've seen, it's I've still, seen the same thing. Yeah, it's still there. The bear odor's still there. But every dog that you add to that equation, it gets less and less and less. Mm -hmm. So dogs open on dogs, you turn them, you turn them out and there's no bear track there. And then they don't, they're like, oh, okay, well, false alarm. And then they go and they want to get back in the truck or whatever. Um, so that's something that you've got to be very careful with. And we, we've got, I, I feel like we have that truck tr problem in our group. We've got several that have done this and now they're trying to fix it. And after I explained it to them, they're like, oh, yeah, I've got to stop. I've got to, I've got to get out and start my own tracks. Even if it's wrong, I've got, I've got to stop doing that. Um, dogs, so, are, dogs are conditioned. They learn through condition response. You know, if they, if they get a reward, they've been conditioned to getting a reward for whatever response they give you. And I, I saw this in my own, own dogs, you know, following you around the mountain and you get a rig strike a quarter mile up and my dogs start opening on the rig right behind me and i'm a quarter mile away from you well if we were rigging a bear you would have rigged it where i was you know where i am right now but they hear your dogs so they start opening because they know that when your dogs open my dogs are going to go too and so mm -hmm. you get dog dog odors and and responses like that i mean i thought that well, heck, there's nothing to there's nothing to this rigging bears. Every I'm rigging same bears you are, but then when I get off by when I get off by myself, is like, okay, where's all the rig? And then you come through a half hour later behind me, not rigging, you know, uh smelling my dog's odor, but but you get a strike right there. And, I, and then it makes me think, okay, why did then I put it all together? My dogs aren't rigging bears, they're rigging Heath's dogs, or they're rigging so-and-so's dogs. You know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast? I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, 
I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps, and when you check out, enter the code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. The Houndsman XP podcast only endorses products that we would use ourselves. And I do use Elite Nutrition supplements. Elite Nutrition offers supplements for your horses, your mules, your dogs, and even you. These all-natural products work with your dog's natural immune system and its normal natural body function, not to treat symptoms, but to fix problems. Stop pumping pharmaceutical toxins into yourself or your dogs and start using these all-natural products that work with the perfect system that God gave you. Go to tryelitenutrition.com and check out their products for wound care, prebiotic, probiotic, puppy stuff. It's all there. Parasite control. If you expect extreme performance, you need Elite Nutrition. And an easy fix to that, guys, if you want to test your dogs, just just have your buddy pull up in the road, let him drop his dogs out, let them run around for a minute, put them back in the truck and drive off, and five minutes later, drive in behind him and see if your dogs blow up. If they blow up, now here we get into some, like, I know how I feel about it, but let's talk about breaking, like, do you shock your dogs in the box or on the rig? Do you do it on the ground? Well, I was always told never to shock your dog on the rig because then they won't open again. And I know we've all heard that at some point in time. Well, say after, yes, after learning <laughs> the world and seeing what our patrol dogs do, then that's false now. Do I want to run AEP through them, which is ours is Appalachian power? <laughs> right. Right. No, I don't need to do that. I just need to deter that behavior. Some dogs are going to take light stimulation, boom, 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 and it's done. Some may take a little bit more. Um, every dog's different. And, we, you know, when you talk about breaking dogs, every dog's pain tolerance is at a different level, just like humans. Um, but, just you can do that, but you don't want to do it to the point where you shut the dog down. Right. And that's very important. If you shut that dog down with your corrections, like it's going to take a long time to get him back where you want him. And he may never come back. And I'm guilty of that. I'm telling you from my experience, um, <clears throat> I've made a lot of mistakes <clears throat> and I've tried to correct them and learn from them and definitely not repeating, repeat them. But yes, you can shock your dog on top of the box um, if they're you can behavior, give your dog a, It's a correction. We don't we don't shock dogs, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give them a stimu give them a stimulation, and and I'll, yeah. I'll I've got two that are just motor mouths. They're just 
they're excitable and they're just meh, meh, you know whining around and giving little half barks because they're excited and and different stuff and i've done that exactly what you said just sit there and low stem and just tap 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 and and just let them know that and early in the season it's I mean, I got a four and five year old that they still do it. They, they'll still be up there. And if you let it go unchecked, then it turns into full blown barking. And then that's totally defeating the purpose. So, um, I I'm, I'm with you. It, it ranks right up there with, you can't, you can't give a correct dog, a correction around a tree. Well, you sure can. And, mm -hmm. and you can give them a correction on the rig too, as long as you do it the right way, as long as you do it. You know, like you said, you're not hitting them on 18 and holding the button down. You're just saying, nope, 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 nope. And, and I know the difference when I come across a rig that does not stop them, man. They just blow up. And then it's like, that's what I'm looking for. And then you reward that behavior. You correct mm -hmm. the bad behavior. You reward the good behavior. Yeah. Um, I was going to elaborate on, on that a little bit, <clears throat> But I don't remember what I was going to say. But yeah, just it's okay to correct the dog on top of the box. Just don't do it to the point you're shutting them down. Yeah. Um, and don't do it uh, like, and I, I I say this too about, you know, dumping dogs out of your box all the time. Like, don't do it 10 times in a row. Like, do it a time or two and then try to get them on the right game. That way you're, you're rewarding that behavior, Chris, just like what you're saying, that way you're not like, you know, I'm just going to correct you, correct you, correct you, correct you. And then the dog's like, I ain't saying a word because dad's <laughs> done, done this 10, you know, 10 times and dogs learn through repetition. Like, so yeah. do it a time or two and then Fun give dog. them an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I got a bunch yeah. of thick head of plots. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but don't, don't do it 10 times in a row. Do it a couple times and then try to get them to where they are. And another thing you can do, and I, I have done this at one point in time, of course, the bear population has changed, but go to where you know good and well you're not going to rig a bear. You know, drive drive down a road where you know Come that they're Indiana. not. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get to opening. You can do a little tap, 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 and drive on. They open, tap, 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 drive on. Do it again, tap, 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 drive on. And then the next time you go out, take them where they are so they have the opportunity to get it right. Because right. if you don't show the dog or let him do what we're supposed to do, um, then it makes it twice as hard. And I'll give you a prime example. I've got a little female down here right now. She's 10 months old. And at six months old, she started scalding a deer. And when I say scalding it, I mean burning it up. And... I have limited her time and I have, I have corrected her twice, but until I can get her on a, on the, the, the game that I want her to run, I'm not going to put any more pressure on her to stop. Cause I don't want her to stop running game. Right. Um, so once I'm able to get her on the correct game, then I'll go back and check her and make sure that I'm cleaning that up. So in a, in the same purpose, that's the same purpose I'm telling you guys, like, you know, you've got to do it intermittently. You can't just bam, 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 bam. You can't just spend a whole month of February and March breaking your dog and you're not going to put them on the right game because you're sending the wrong message. 
I'll tell you, I think a lot of it, for me, it took me a long time to realize and I'm just a slow learner, I guess, but you always heard people say, you know, take your pups on lots of rides, take them on rides. And I always thought that was a fur baby, fur mama type thing. Take your doggy to town type stuff. But like when I, anymore, if I'm running to the store, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and just go ahead and let the dogs ride on top of the box up to the store and just ride mm -hmm. up there and just get used to riding there and, and make it more of a, uh, an everyday thing and and that way it takes some of that nervousness out of them and the only time they ride up there is when they're going to strike a bear and get off and run run through the mountain type thing you know i haven't really found that it's i haven't seen any adverse effects to it where they're not excited to they know they know when they're job when it's time to go to work and when they're just up there for a ride so, but i mm -hmm. think it i think it helps a lot just to condition them that the only time you're up here is not just when when we're gonna when we're gonna go on yeah no that, i mean that's that's a good idea and i like in the summertime i've taken my young dogs and i've got a a chain kind of rig rigged up in the back of my truck where i can put them in the truck bed yeah and they're they're tied down mm -hmm. and you know when, like i said when i go to the store i go to the trash dump you know i can right. put them right there to the ride and a lot of times that that your younger dogs that's when they start like oh yeah man here's the wind and you'll see them young dogs start, oh yeah you know, that nose and working the wind and ears flopping when you're driving down the road i mean barking at the <laughs> other dogs along the road say look at me you're stuck in the yard i'm good look at me up here yeah yeah, that's, I don't that's tough, that. Simo. Tough, yeah, is it? Yeah, tough likes to hang his head out the window and give everybody else a stink eye when he goes by. It's like, yeah, I'm riding up in, I'm I'm down the road, buddy. You're stuck in the yard. Yeah. What else on rigging? I know there's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk Man, about. Man, it's but... just I mean, I feel like we kind of been all over the place when we started down the road there. You know, break it down in steps. Um. You know, I make sure the trash broke it's gotta right? be yeah yep. that's gotta be number one yeah because you had how do you give a dog you know and above and beyond all else be true to thyself you know i've had an old timer tell me that how do you legitimately put a dog on top of the box that you know will run a deer or off game without spending some time trying to discourage him from doing that like you mm -hmm. know when they open that it's a it's a it's a twenty five percent chance it could be a deer, it could be a coyote, it could be a bobcat, or it could be a bear. Well, that's like playing the lottery, right? Like you know, you know, and if that's what if you don't care what you run, and that's fine, you know, so be it. That's that's good. Um, but try to narrow it down to, okay, well, it's a it's a bear or a coyote, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I can tell like when Spook opens on the rig, like he has that. Uh, he has got a ferocious, mean bark when it's a coyote. Like, there's no question. And I don't even slow down. When I hear that, like, I don't even tap the brakes. I just keep going. And I've learned that through learning him and whatever. But now on right. the ground, it's a different story, and I don't have that. Con like, he's already started it by the time I can get a hold of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like I said, that that's the first thing. If your dogs aren't, if you if you don't trust them, 
again, you got to be true to yourself, man. If they're running deer, they're just running deer, fix it. Not a big problem. Like, you know, take a week or two and, and work on it. It's not, it's not an issue. Like it, it's going to happen. Most dogs are, you know, are going to run junk at some point in your life. I want mine. I want to see that mine have the drive to run. Yeah. Now, like I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm not going to let it happen on, on purpose after I see that it happens. But you know, just like that little female, like she was here in the yard and I went out one morning and she was going across the back side of my ridge, just flying. And she went plumb out of hearing. Right. And I'm like, well, time put her up. Cause I know what she's doing, you know, so I'm not giving the opportunity to do that. Anymore. Right. Right. Well, we talked about breaking. Is there anything you think on selection? I mean, does certain, certain, certain dogs just or have more of a gift for it or do you think i don't know what is it because i mean not every dog is going to be a rig dog obviously we're all looking for that that dog that can go truck to tree rig its own track start its own track jump its own bear tree its own bear whatever it is it doesn't have to be a bear it could be a raccoon I, my jazz female yeah. was really good at rigging coons you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at the selection process, okay, then what age are you looking at? Are you getting a puppy that's eight weeks old? Yeah. Who knows? Are you getting a dog that's two years old? Well, by two years old, most people probably had them on the truck to know. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I've got a nice dog down here that will not ride on the top of the truck. Will not like he lays down and will not get up. Which one trip and, trip. Yeah. And that's why you never see him up there. Uh, yeah. and I, I tried, I, I spent a lot of September, just him and spook up there. Um, and he did, he was getting better where he would, he'd stand up for five, 10 minutes, but then he'd lay right back down. Mm -hmm. And again, he's been hauled. He's been in the truck. Oh, yeah. dog's been all the country. Um, but he does not like being up on top. <laughs> so that's one thing you're going to have to look at, you know? Yeah. And again, I, I don't know, his experiences with me, like I'm very slow with my young dogs. I don't, like I said, you y'all seen me post the videos. I, I start feeding my dogs up on the tailgate and in the bed. And then I put the box in and then I feed them inside the box. And then I put them where they can get up on top of the rig and I feed them up on top of the rig. You know, that's a process that I go through. He would done all that. He done all that, but yeah. he does when that's moving, he does not like it. So that huh. that's going to, a number one thing you're going to have to look at is the dog comfortable. And if he's not comfortable, is it something that you can slowly work out? Because when, when he lays down like that, he shuts down mentally. Like, yeah, I don't care if there's a bear. And I, I can, I mean, I can show you videos of September dogs rigging a, a bear and him laying there like, mm -mm. and I can turn him loose. He'll go catch it bear by himself, but it shuts right. him down. Yeah. He's like a good dog. <clears throat> when dogs get in, that <coughs> sorry when the dogs get in that red mode they're not thinking about anything else it's kind of right. like survival mm -hmm. you got to make sure the dog's comfortable <clears throat> like i said i don't i don't know if you know some dogs are better than others <clears throat> i know when when spook and kate when i got them and they, i mean they were they were under a year year old spook was under a year old he was 10 months old when he rigged his first track I didn't have a rig dog. I put him up on top of the truck and was going out the road <clears throat> with him and Pearl and 
I don't know what else it was, but I had three dogs up there and I, I went out the road that he opened one time. It was a boop. And Maddie looks at me and she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I guess I'm going to turn him loose. And we did. We turned him loose. He went down off the mountain. And ran about, that coyote like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> not that but he's not plenty more. But they went down off the mountain. They struck. They made a big loop, come way out the mountain, come right back underneath where we was at. And a deer pops up in the road. Oh. And me and me and Maddie and Matthew were all standing there. And Matthew's like, I can't believe that. And the dogs turned when they got to where that deer, they turned and went on out the road. So we run out the road into a sharp curve. <clears throat> Bear pops up in the road. I mean, that that was his first time. Now, he had run several bear, you know, in the, those months, but it was a fluke. It was a fluke. Like, yeah. I was just in one place. It had to be a scalding hot bear for him to even say anything. And, you know, that's how I got him. Well, I, I had him rigging a little bit, but then I bought Jack, the blue yeah. dog that come from, that come out from Van Johnson. Well, it didn't come from Van, but it, it Van bred him. I brought Jack, and that Jack kind of – um taught spook and kate and the thing that i found out and i've had several conversations about this jack would open on tracks when kate and spook was younger and them two dogs not say a word and i could turn them two dogs loose and leave him in the truck and they'd go catch the bear so i know they smell it yeah they just opening on it right you know so but, they're, but they're rigging now yeah th they are um and again i've got to be honest with myself they're rigging stuff that's runnable. Like yeah. they're rigging stuff that are, you know, that's laid down that they can go jump up or is moving, you know, just went through here and, and they go catch it, but they're not coming off the truck. What do you want them to run? What do you want them to rig and run? You want them to like a 10 hour, 12 old hour old bear track that crossed the road yesterday, or what are you looking for? Weren't you happy with that? <clears throat> well, I've had this conversation with myself because of the bear population. I I'm con I don't know. I don't even know the word to use. I'm not content because I know what I'm looking for, but they serve their purpose. But I would, I would like them to be able to take a little bit older tracks than what I'm getting. And the only reason you want them to, indicate on an older track and then go out and trail that bear up and jump it and yes and but that's what ring did and they're not ring i know that they're not ring they're not they're not the same style of dog as ring but, I, um, but why why do you think but you don't see that perplexes me Heath, because i've hunted with you enough uh, you catch a bear almost you catch a bear almost every day you hunt so why do you need something that's, I don't know. I don't think you're going to be satisfied with that because those, those old tracks take a lot more time to, to trail up and your bear population is where it is right now. And you're, you're fortunate to have that, but I don't know. I don't, I'd say given the situation you're in, I don't know that I want to stand out there and be 
you know, have to build a fire to wait for your dogs to go down and trail a bear, bear down the holler and, and get it jumped six hours later. No, no, I, I, I don't want, I don't need that right now. Yeah. I don't need that. But <clears throat> in the future and in the near, in, in the near future, next year or two is where I, this is my goal. So we may have to circle back around to this in a year or two. <laughs> uh, I, I, I walked across some track. Now walk, not rigged. I walked across some tracks this year that I didn't think I should have to walk across. And here's what happened. Um, one track in particular, I'll tell you about. Well, it'll be the one that we treed. You was with us up in the timber yep. cut. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I put I put Spook and Kate down, and Attica. Attica goes and starts opening on the track but she gets hung up at the Creek. And I think we talked about this, but spook takes that track 300 yards and then turns and comes back. I know he smelled it. I seen him literally sticking his nose in track, 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 track. I seen it. He comes back. Wesley comes up the road. We put Jake and Jake leaves out of there. Like it was looking at it. Jake leaves out there and, like he's looking at all of them. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. He's got more mouth than he needs, that's for sure. Uh, Spook we went love right you, Wes. With, yeah, I mean, Spook went right with him and stayed. And then when they jumped, like, it was all like Donkey Kong. But why Why are you not staying? You, you smelt that track. You was able to take it 300 yards. So why didn't you take it the next 900 and jump yeah, it? Because that's yeah. what happened. Um, it so that's as, it wasn't as bad as what I got into that day that I had the big coyote race. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember the pictures I showed you of the bear track? Yeah. I mean, I'm walking up through there on a. Bear I'm pretty track. sure. <laughs> huh? I think it's the same one we run that day. It probably was. Started yeah. it down there in the bottom. Uh, no, mm-hmm. we went back the next day, and end up catching that bear. It was the next day. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was the same bear. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was too. You know, I'm walking up this, and there's tracks in this, and they were frozen in and stuff, but start getting dogs opening and thinking, well, yeah, they're moving it out of here. And the next thing you know, man, they're really moving it. Everybody else's dogs are kind of chiming in here and there occasionally, and you got out and walked the track out, and all you could find was coyote tracks and no bear tracks. So I walked, I I walked. About 200. I was like, I'm making sure I'm not missing something before I say something on the radio. <laughs> Chris yeah, lying me. Oh, Tuff was giving it, man. He was right. He's he's bearing he down right there. on Maddie's <laughs> like, What little dog's that? And I'm like, That's tough. And she's like, What? And I was like, Yeah, it's tough. He's, he's going to catch that thing. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you talk about your dog not taking a track. My dog didn't even smell the bear track and end up jumping a coyote in there and Till like, and I was all excited. You guys were all like, I don't know about that. I don't. And I'm like, well, he's running like a bear. He came around. Well, you know, what, you know why I was hesitant? Why? Wrong place. Not they tried where, to cross. Oh, where place. they, Not, where they tried to cross. Yeah. Yep. That's why I was like, uh, this is not, this is not normal. This is not normal. Now, if he'd have been, if he'd have been two hollers over, yeah, I'd have probably sent dogs. Like I'd have yeah. probably sent them. <laughs> I think I turned loose but, on one of your trash tracks, didn't I? 
Yes, you did. I said, I said, hey, heart start this. It's on y'all. Whatever y'all decide to do, just pack at your own risk. I've been packing. Uh, I've been driving around with dogs in the truck too long. If we do pack it, it's junk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry. I hate. I hated everybody packed their dogs to that, but I knew. Like I knew. I knew it wasn't right. That's part of it, man. That's, that's the yes. thing about, you know, we started out talking about rig dogs and patience, you know, if you've got a dog that's not hunting good, let them get out there and try and trail and, and learn as long as they're not going out there and jumping, you know, just barking to get off the rig and then going out there and burning up some trash, just let them do their, do their thing. And, and I, I personally have to get out there like if I get a if I get a strike like that, I will get out of the truck, make a big circle. And I'm I mean, walk up, check the wind, walk way, do a big circle into the wind, go all the way around the truck and come in from the opposite side when I've got young dogs or or uh, you know, just those bumps and just try mm-hmm. to get them get them pointed in the right direction and and stuff like that and look for tracks and and all that stuff. But it's rigging is just one of those things that just intrigues me. Um, it's something that I don't know that it shouldn't be that hard, but there's a lot to it. Wind direction, wind currents, scent conditions, the speed that you're driving, you know, a lot of guys will, I, I know for darn sure that I can, I've seen it. I have, been driving down the road and this was this was with my jazz female driving down the road coming home from coon hunting drop down this little this little dip and she'll strike out of the back of the truck and i'm driving 30 or 40 miles an hour go up the road come back drive slow and she'll strike again right there the problem is if you drive too fast where do you turn your dog loose if you're if you're rigging trying to rig too fast you gotta slow down and you you know i don't know if you've noticed I'm the one that's poking. Like yeah. if I've got my dog to talk, I'm not, if I'm doing 15 miles an hour, that's fast. Yeah. me too. And then everybody else comes flying around the road. It's like a Daytona 500. I'm like, what are y'all doing? What are you in a hurry for? Like give the dog an opportunity to work the air. Yeah. Because when you're doing the, doing the Daytona dash, like your dog's got to pick up a fairly good odor or hot odor. And, that's one thing I, I'm not in a hurry and something else we missed on. We got to talk about real quick is dogs. You said it just dogs opening to be opening. Mm-hmm. You know, if your dogs are opening and you get, and you let them down and they run around and goof off, you know, you've got to know, you got to know your dog. You've got to understand what your dog's doing. And like I said, I'm, I'm kind of in a unique situation because my dogs are, especially the three are tight mouth. Um, so I'm not getting a lot of babbling and, I mean, I don't get, I don't get no babbling. I don't get a bunch of dogs barking. Like when mine open, it's usually on like Donkey Kong, but they're tight mouth dogs. So I don't have some of the other issues that some of the other guys have. Yeah. So you've got to know your dog. Just, you know, don't be letting them down to be letting them down because then you are classical conditioning. Oh, well, if I bark, that is going to turn me loose. Oh, if I bark, that is going to turn me loose. Right. So then you, then you got, you've classical conditioned a problem you don't want to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just thought it'd be an interesting topic and we told some good stories and, and 
it's just stuff we sit around and talk about all the time anyway i mean yeah. the, the, when you start <clears throat> talk, when you start talking dogs man you can just go on and on and on and on and on but mm -hmm. understanding rigging and um you know understanding your dog being patient understanding scent wind currents thermals where you should be you know all those things can go in your favor and make you more successful yep so if i had to sum it up three things i would tell you is um make sure that your dogs is is halfway broke i mean you should process of elimination deer should be the number one priority um, and I know guys out West, that's not an issue because they don't have the deer population, but for us on the East coast, <clears throat> like deer should be a number one priority. Um, the second thing is, even if they're not, if you're driving by them, making sure you're doing it. And the, the third thing I would say is patience, give the dog time to work around and let him go hunting. Um, if you start, if you start toning your dog or hollering at your dog, every three minute, like, you know, three minute mark. Okay. My dog's out three minutes and I'm just putting out a time. Then your dog's going to get conditioned to that. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm on a, I'm on a timer. Dad's going to be, um, toning me in just a second. So don't be in a rush. Yeah. Like let your dog work, be patient. I agree. I agree, man. Just when in doubt, let them trail. Like Cleve Dwyer said, mm -hmm. just let them, let them get down. And if they're working and they're showing you good work and they're not, trying to scorch a, a deer out of the, out of the country, then let them roll. Mm, that's right. Yep. All right, man. Well, Hey, well, let's wrap this one up. Uh, make sure that if you got any questions about any rig and stuff, you hit here, Heath or me up, uh, this podcast will be posted on our YouTube and, and, um, our social medias and all that stuff. So if you listen to it and you've got something to add to the conversation, let us know because, uh, we're always trying to learn too. That's, that's a cool thing. We're always trying to learn. I'm not going to steal right. your teach, train and learn. <laughs> that's a good one though. That's a good one. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Keith, thanks for your time. This is fair chase.